0: Now, if you, as you look out on society around us right now, um, what do you see? Um, perhaps you look at the political system in this country and you think, my goodness, it's a bit of a mess right now, and we're in some dire straits. Perhaps you're seeing inflation going up and up and up, and econ- economic inequality too, you're struggling to keep up with it. Perhaps you look at the NHS on the brink of collapse, how am I going to get the care I need? We have a war going on in Europe, the likes of which we've not seen in ages. A climate crisis that some people suggest threatens our very existence. And so you might be thinking, any notion, any hope that you have of a um, a more loving, united, um, peaceful, prosperous society is further away than ever before. And no matter how much you are working hard for it, a better world, a brighter future, that future is sort of slipping further and further away from your grasp. Like the tide going out, every crisis needs to be worse than the one before. And so many people today are feeling incredibly anxious. They are fearful of the future. They are pretty depressed. As so they look to the future, they quite like hopeless. And I wonder where you are as you come to church this afternoon. Thinking about this idea of a, a better, more united society. What if we are looking for it in the wrong place? What if we are looking for it or trying to grasp and get at it through the wrong means? What if a kingdom of joy and justice and peace and prosperity was not only possible, but it was right under our noses, in our very midst? Look at Jesus' words in verse 20 on page 1051. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, all our hopes and longings for a better, brighter future and world and society, all captured in this concept of the kingdom of God. The coming of the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst Jesus talking to the Pharisees. They were under, suffering under Roman oppression, social injustice. They were longing for the transformation of society that this is what the Messiah would bring. And here is Jesus saying, it's here, right now. And you can have an experience of it now. And with that experience, all the confidence and hope for a better, brighter, perfect future to come. But it begs the question for us, okay, well, like, where is that kingdom? What is Jesus talking about? How do we get this taste and experience of it? Let's take a look now. First, the kingdom of God in our midst. In verses 11 to 19, We are told that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, one of these little journey markers in Luke's gospel to know in the final section of chapter 9 to 19. Jesus was traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they stood at a distance because back then, if you had leprosy, that was permanent social distancing. To have leprosy was to be richly unclean. You couldn't even worship in the temple. It was to be a social outcast, you couldn't be part of normal society. It was a brutal thing, it was awful. And so they stand at a distance and they call out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. We don't deserve this, but have have mercy, have pity on us. Perhaps they've heard about Jesus. Perhaps they've heard about him healing the leper batting chapter five. Please, would you do that for us too? And yet this time Jesus doesn't touch the leper like chapter five, doesn't give the word, say or they are just instantly healed. The moment Jesus says, Go show yourselves to the priests, which back then was the official way that a leper, if he was cleansed, could be reintegrated into society and hug their spouse again and worship at the temple. And Jesus, it happened straight away. As they went, they were cleansed. It's just this stunning, beautiful. Powerful demonstration of the kingdom of God in the person of Jesus Christ breaking into someone's life these ten lepers as their bodies are transformed and healed the kingdom of God not just in their midst in their skin and here is the kicker how many of these ten lepers have had their lives transformed by Jesus and being healed how many of them come back to thank him and praise him. Let's get some feedback. How many? One. Did you notice how three times um, Jesus asked this question in verse 17? Were not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? The Samaritan. He's the only one to come back and fall at Jesus' feet and think, oh my goodness, the kingdom of God in my midst, the king, he is here, the Messiah, the Lord of all, the Lord of my life. (laughs) thank you, (laughs) I praise you. And only to him does Jesus then say, verse 19, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Which is not the best of translations of the NIV here. It makes you think that the faith has like healed his leprosy. The word, the Greek word here is it's the word of, for salvation. Your faith has spiritually healed you. Your faith has saved you. Your relationship with God is now restored. Nine lepers get this incredible taste of the kingdom of God in their midst. Their bodies healed. And yet their souls are still cut off from God. Great, Jesus healed me. Done what I wanted him to do. I'll just crack on with life without him. And don't come back. Only one of them has his sins forgiven. Has his relationship with God restored? Has not just his body healed, but his soul saved? A woman in a previous church a long time ago was in the church for many years. She experienced much of the blessing of Christian community. People praying for her, people supporting her, caring for her. Loving her. She herself would say that she experienced the tangible presence of sort of God speaking to her through word, through sacrament on Sunday. Sometimes after the sermon, she would say, Yeah, I felt like God's really speaking to me on this. She would serve at church. She would say that she experienced some of the the blessing that Christ speaks of. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And then one week, I asked her, How's it going with your relationship with Jesus Christ? And she said to me, I am yet to bow the knee to Jesus. Because, Mark, I still want to be in control of my life. And I want to call the shots. And I have to say, it completely shocked me to, get that, to, to know that this woman to have such an experience of the kingdom of God in her midst for many, many years. And yet by her own admission, never fallen at Jesus' feet, never said, Jesus, your Lord, never put her faith in him, doesn't, didn't have a personal relationship with him. And her soul at that point still cut off from God. I hope that is none of us here. Obviously, I don't know what's going on in your heart, right? But Some of you here will have been to church for years. Some of you will have grown up in a Christian family. Some of you have been in a Christian union. You'll have experienced the blessing of Christian community, a loving, caring, supporting parents, praying for you, Christian church family, friends, student friends, supporting, caring for you. you might not have been healed miraculously like these lepers perhaps you've had an experience of, of God answering your prayer but yet deep down you know you have still not given your life to Jesus Christ you've not fallen at his feet you've not said Jesus you are Lord not me and I will follow you wherever you say and go if that is you Please learn the lesson of these nine lepers who had a taste of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God in their midst, but they they never entered the kingdom and they never came fully to Jesus Christ. Now look, most of us here have fallen at Jesus' feet. Most of us here have put our faith in him, received the forgiveness of sins, we received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the greatest blessing and taster of the new creation that we can have this side of his return. But here's the question for us. Are our hearts still overflowing with joy and thankfulness and praise as we see this one leper? as he comes to Jesus Christ. I mean, I was converted when I was age 22. You know, at the time, the tears were flowing. There was a lot of joy. There was a lot of thanks. There was a lot of praise. 23 years later, well, where's the state of my heart now? Does it have that same joy, that same thankfulness? Just to be really clear here, our thanks and praise does not save us. That's what our faith in Jesus does, right? Faith alone saves us. Thanks and praise, evidence. Of the genuineness of our faith. Is that evidence there? As people look at you to think, yeah, real thankful, joyful person, they love Jesus. Their hearts on fire for him. And if you're someone here and your heart's cold to Jesus right now, you're lacking that joy, there's a bitterness in there, an entitlement that's set in. Perhaps you know we've just lost sight of the kingdom of God in our midst, the presence of his Holy Spirit with you every day, his overflowing love to you and his death of his Son Jesus Christ and you can come back to him straight away, arms open, welcome, forgiveness. Let's go again. Where's your heart at today? Not where was it 23 years ago, or five, or last week. And if you're someone here looking into Christian things, it's great to have you here. I wonder if we realize just how many Blessings of the kingdom of God that we see in society and culture, the dignity of every human person, human rights, the justice system in this country, just how it's all founded upon and based in the life and teaching of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in your midst, and Jesus is calling you to have a full experience of that in relationship with him, the very relationship you were made for. So that's the kingdom in our midst. Let's move on secondly to the kingdom to come because some of you might be thinking at this point, well, look, if the kingdom of God's in our midst, as Jesus says here, why is there still so much suffering and illness and disease and decay? You know, some of you, certainly in the 11am congregation, have been struggling for years with some serious illnesses and debilitating diseases. And a lot of pain. And you see Jesus. I'm not sure if you have had that experience as well. You see Jesus here healing these ten lepers. You might think to yourself. Yeah I'll have a bit of that please. And yet there's nothing. All of us here. This afternoon. Are suffering the effects of what I mentioned at the start. These crises not just globally but in this country. You're probably longing for the kingdom of God to come in all its fullness and peace and prosperity and security. And you're thinking to yourself, my goodness, Jesus, it's been 2,022 years and we're still counting. What's going on? Why the delay? Jesus explains in verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming When you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, you are telling me, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this Generation. So here is Jesus reassuring his disciples, look, the kingdom in all its fullness, it is coming. It's coming when the Son of Man returns. The Son of Man, a title that Jesus uses for himself. And when he comes, it's going to be obvious to all. There'll be lightning that we had after the 4 p.m. service a couple of weeks ago, right? Night, you couldn't miss it, in the darkness of the night sky. And initially he says, to his disciples, so don't be put off by anyone suggesting that Jesus has come back already or that you know, he's... I'm Jesus, the you know, second return of Jesus Christ. Just ignore them. I actually read this week that a lady called Gabby Hanna, do you know this? She's some TikTok internet personality and singer-songwriter that claimed in August to be the second coming of the person of Jesus Christ. If someone can explain to me what TikTok is afterwards, so that'd be great as well. But anyway, she, don't listen to her. Don't listen to anyone who claims to be Jesus coming back, the, the second coming. When the lightning strikes, you will know. And did you notice how Jesus goes on to describe what it will be like when the kingdom of God comes and the Son of Man returns? People are expecting these descriptions of peace and prosperity, joy, which it will be, but look at what, how Jesus, at least here, teaches on it. He says in verse 26, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, but the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Oh my goodness, So, like, what's it going to be like when the Son of Man, when the kingdom of God comes in all its fullness? This point Jesus says it is judgment, it is judgment, it is judgment. Because if we want a kingdom in a society full of peace and prosperity, justice and joy... Then Jesus Christ is going to have to make sure that he has got rid of all evil, all injustice, all sin forever. And so that is what's going to be coming when the kingdom of God comes in all its fullness. And Jesus lands his point to his disciples in verse 33. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it and whoever loses their life, that is for Jesus Christ, will preserve it. That is the only way to be part of this kingdom of God in all its fullness. Giving your life to Jesus Christ. Not just receiving all the blessings of the gifts from him, coming to him, coming back to giver, thanking him, praising him, you are Lord. I saw this week that archaeologists are still discovering the remains of people in and around Pompeii, the city of Pompeii, that was destroyed after Mount Vesuvius erupted in AD 70. And personally, I found it very chilling, reading about it, seeing some of the photos. I've not been to the museum itself, maybe some of you have. Despite all the warnings to leave the city because they could begin to see the volcano spitting the lava out. Despite all the warnings to save your life. Some people chose to say, This one picture of this man just kind of cling on to all his possessions as he's destroyed by the thermal heat. A woman in her villa with all her precious jewelry around her, just frozen in time hundred of these people set in plaster who tried to save their life and yet lost it. And Jesus is saying, so it will be for all those who have not fallen at the feet of Jesus and put their faith in him, the Lord of all, and give them thanks and praise to him where it is due. Do you notice the description Jesus gives of the people in the days of Noah and Lot? I'll be thinking like, oh, look, describe them as the sinful, evil, unrighteous people, so just, Do you see how they're described? He talks about them eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, marrying and being given in marriage. These are all just very normal activities. They're very good activities. These are activities given to us by God to enjoy in his world, but to enjoy with him. (laughs) Because he's the meaning and purpose of them all. And not to be done without him. But by the time Jesus comes back, any opportunity to know Jesus, to fall at Jesus' feet, to cry out for salvation... It will be too late. So here is an answer to the question, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Why doesn't he bring the fullness of the kingdom in now? Because it will be a day of judgment and God is incredibly patient and merciful with us. He longs for us to give our life to Christ so that we'll preserve our life, so that we'll fall at Jesus' feet. Be like the one leper and not like the nine. It's a reminder to us that one of the reasons Jesus sends us out on mission as a church is precisely to bring the kingdom of God into people's midst, our friends, our family, our colleague, as we speak of Jesus, as we love people like Jesus, as we invite people to church, as they get experience of the kingdom of God in a corporate setting amongst the church community, so they may think, yeah, there's something here. And so that they have an opportunity to put their faith in Jesus Christ before it is too late. Perhaps most of all, here is an encouragement for those of us who have given our lives to Jesus Christ and perhaps at great cost to yourself. Here is an encouragement to you as you are persevering in following Jesus Christ. In a culture, that says you're crazy and stupid for doing so encouragement that like the kingdom we long for, that society we long for, no more evil, no more suffering, no more death, no more decay, justice, and it is coming. It is coming. You can be sure of it. So keep going with Jesus. Keep clinging to him. Keep falling at his feet. And for those of you who are still on the fence about Jesus, still unsure about Jesus, I suppose he would say to you, look, lightning could strike tonight, and are you ready? Perfectly fine for you to be whining and dining, enjoying relationships, marrying, give, being given and marriage, pursuing your career, buying and selling, although hopefully not through the FTX cryptocurrency exchange, right? But he's saying there is no point doing this without him. Because without him, you will lose it all. Only through faith in him does it all make sense. Only through faith in him can we enjoy the fullness of the kingdom of God to come. So the kingdom of God in our midst, the kingdom of God to come. Thirdly and finally, praying for the kingdom of God to come. Because a question we might be left with here at this point is like, well, how do we live in this tension? So we, get, we have the kingdom of God in our midst now, but it's not yet fully here. We've got every spiritual blessing in Christ, but every physical blessing to come. We want justice now, but we want our friends and family to be saved. Like, How do we, how do we live as followers of Jesus in this tension? Chapter 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Always helpful when Jesus makes it absolutely clear what we need to do off a Bible passage. Some of you like to know, what should I do off the back of it? Here it is, pray. Always, never give up. That's what you should do. Okay, how do I do that? Well, to motivate us in this, Jesus tells us a parable about an unjust, unrighteous judge and this powerless, impoverished, but persistent widow. And because she keeps going up to this judge saying, grant me justice, grant me justice, grant me justice, eventually he relents. Even though he's unjust, even though he's unrighteous, he gives her the justice. But look at how Jesus applies the parable to his disciples in verse 6. And the Lord said... Listen to what the unjust says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. So my goodness, if this unjust, unrighteous judge grants justice to this persevering widow, how much more will our perfectly just, perfectly righteous Perfectly loving God grant us justice possibly in this life certainly in the life to come as we continue crying out to him day and night in prayer Lord give me justice in this situation make this situation right and keep praying it over and over and over again and never give up and it will come. We might have a different view of quickly, as God does. To God, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. It's been two days to God, but justice will come. Perhaps you're suffering injustice at the hands of a landlord right now. Council House private letting bits are falling apart damp is forming in the corner the window still doesn't shut properly even though you've told him hundreds of times you're very frustrated about it he doesn't seem to care or she doesn't seem to care what do you do? pray, 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 pray don't give up pray for justice to come even in this scenario God cares about all of life Pray for wisdom to know how to handle complaint. Pray for the landlord's heart to be changed. Pray for the council to be saved. I mean, who knows How God's going to answer the prayer. But we are called to pray. Always pray. And do not give up. Perhaps you're suffering a terrible injustice from the past, but the perpetrator was never caught. I know one of you just this week had your laptop stolen from your home and and one, one of you has been falsely accused by a friend. There are injustices all around us. How do we deal with that as Christians? Pray, pray, always pray, justice to come. Either on the cross, where Jesus has paid the penalty for it, or on that final day, when judgment comes with the Son of Man. But justice is coming, and you can be sure of it. So keep praying and working for it. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Perhaps you're tempted to give up on prayer simply because you think prayer doesn't really work. Prayer doesn't change things. Maybe you've been praying for lots and God doesn't seem to be answering your prayers. Perhaps you think to yourself, well, God's gonna do it anyway, so why bother praying? And Jesus gives us this parable precisely to tell us that any time we try and think like that, even if we think it makes sense logic, it's not true. Be like that persistent widow. Cry out to God day and night. Jesus promises us, Justice is coming. And not to give up. So easy to give up in prayer, isn't it? It can be so hard at times. And perhaps we just want to remind ourselves of that parable and keep spurring each other on with this parable to keep crying out to God. Our Father in heaven, who loves us dearly, gives good gifts to his children. That's how we live in the tension. That's how we experience more of the kingdom of God in our midst now. That's how we hurry and speed the kingdom of God to come. That's the one main effective way that we work now for a better, brighter society and future. Always pray. Not literally speaking the words all the time. I'm not praying now, although hopefully we're aware of the presence of God with us, but regularly, daily, praying to God, seeking him, crying out for justice. It will come and one day we'll see Jesus face to face in this perfectly renewed heaven and earth full of justice and joy, peace and prosperity, it is coming. So let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank and praise you for the way you prepare us for everything we need, not just now in the presence, but looking to the future. Thank you that in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God is now in our midst. The offer of the forgiveness of sins, the gift of your spirit, a community of people you've brought together that we may become more loving, more just with each other. I pray, Father, that you would make sure that all of us have fallen at at Jesus' feet, put our faith in him. I pray, Father, that by your spirit you would reassure us of the kingdom of God to come, And I pray, Lord, you'd help us right now to live in that tension. Reaching out, crying out to you in prayer, always praying as Jesus calls us to do. And help us again by your spirit not to give up. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.